Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> you got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I got to ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African-Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Transformation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today's episode is brought to you by the folks at the Creative Running Collection, an eclectic ensemble of artists from all walks of life and disciplines. I mean, we're talking established to wannabe writers, actors, directors, artists, bloggers, vloggers, videographers, podcasters, journalists, producers, and editors who are passionate about creating content for running and entertainment purposes. Still, but more importantly, they inspire people to pursue a healthy lifestyle by helping them identify their purpose, maximize their potential accelerate their growth and continuing the cycle. In other words, they help people IMAC their life. So, if you've got some hidden talent and you're looking for a safe place to express, own, and display your talent, shoot them an email at the Behind the Wheel Morning Show at gmail.com. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner or know of an entrepreneur or small business owner looking to advertise in the Behind the Wheel podcast, but weren't certain as to whether or not there was a possibility, we have eliminated all the guesswork. It certainly is a reality. Who's this we you're talking about? You know it's just you. I'm not going to go with we. We now have... Be going with we? I think we're going to go with we. Let's try. We now have the ability for you to sponsor an episode. How cool is that? Your ad can run pre, mid, or post-roll. Simply visit coffee.com forward slash btw podcast the details will be in the show notes that's ko hyphen fi dot com forward slash btw podcast and one of the cool things about coffee.com is it allows supporters of the show to buy me a cup of coffee you all know i like coffee so shout out to latoya shante soul inspired kimberly hall and kim isaiah that's why I'm all hyped up on this coffee. Now I'm talking about me, so I yeah. can promote you. Oh, oh, I gotta take a better picture. <laughs> yes, I will, I will certainly um I will send you something. All right. all right. I'm making sure I'm recording. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley. And today we have a special, I say that all the time because all of our guests are special. This individual. <laughs> is a certified integrated nutritionist a funk and a functional wellness coach. That sounds so huh? That sounds so professional. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't muck around here. This is this is the behind the wheel morning show, yo. We have an official introduction. You know, she has a master's in certain in science and applied nutrition. This is just not, you know, you just you, you you're a professionalist. You have a PhD. She has a PhD. And <laughs> she's laughing. She's being modest. 
Yeah. I'm just not used to it. It's so tickling, I guess. An individual who has research and, you know, hundreds of studies to get to the position where she is, she overcame paralysis. Doctors told her she wouldn't be able to run. She told the doctors, well, I think I have to try something else and make you out to be a liar. Sure <laughs> enough. I can't, I can, I can go on and on, but let me let me stop at this introduction. Just welcome to the show, Crystal Hadnot. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I'm a really shy person, so that's why I'm laughing. My laughing is to get out like when people introduce me, it's like, ah. No, because it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to digest. I mean, you go to a page and it's like, these are fabulous pictures. These are just, this is not, um, these weren't taken by an Android. I can tell you that. No. These were not taken by an Android photo. Oh, no, just iPhones. Just iPhones. <laughs> no. <laughs> these are, you know, these, these pictures are fabulous. If you haven't gone to her site, we'll, we'll get to know a little bit more about Crystal in just a moment. But you got to know, before you go any further along, Crystal, are you a D&D lady or are you a five bucks lady? I am a bulletproof coffee girl, so Ooh. neither. Okay, that's good. And I like my coffee black like I like my men. No cream, no sugar. Just straight. Just straight. <laughs> well. Same way I like my whiskey. Your whiskey straight. No chaser. No chaser. Oh, so why don't you tell, for the folks who don't know you, tell them a little about yourself, how you got started on this road to running and becoming an integrative wellness coach. Well, nutrition has, all, well, I would say health has always been a focal point. Um, started at an early age, interest in health. Um, I was actually uh, doing a family tree in middle school. And I realized that my family was daring to dead because of health issues. And it was just the reality of it. It was a sad reality, but it was truth. And so it just spearheaded this whole thought process of health and how do you get where you are, what people are eating. Um, and I've always been a foodie person. So naturally I drew to food when it came to health. And um, so that started and spirited me at a young age, but didn't really think I would go in it from the approach that I am now. Uh, I wanted to approach it from the political aspect. So I was in the political world for 15 years, public policy, a lobbyist, working on um, health as well as education policies because I thought it was a lack of education. Um, and what I realized when I went through my own health issue, the problem was not just education, but the problem was Access. And the problem was having someone who looks like me to tell me more about it. And so I decided to approach it differently when I was going through my own issues related to health when I turned 21, that here I am at 21. I had all the resources. I had health care insurance. I had the access. Um, and I didn't get my answers question, my the answers to my questions answered. So um, I just really decided I need to switch my approach to being the person, the go-to person. So that's kind of how the nutrition came with be a part of it. But in what that... Hmm? What questions did you have? Well, I was 21 and my colon had stopped working. 
So at the age of 21, they were like, hey, there's nothing we can do. We don't have a machine that can jumpstart this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just hope you don't die of toxicity. And I was like 21. And I was like, that's not an option. Like, what do you mean? Like, let's just hope your colon start back working. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question was, how did I get there? Like, what caused this? And they didn't have an answer for me. So those are the questions I've always looked at, like, okay, what's the cause of not because you go in with high blood pressure, they're going to tell you how to fix it. Here's the medication, Mm -hmm. exercise, eat right. But they don't tell you how to not get there. So I had all the preventative or the root cause questions and they couldn't answer those for me. And so they were just like, we don't know. I don't know. I'm like, you don't know. What do you mean? You went to school for this. And at the time, I was like one of the youngest people in a PhD program. So I was like, what do you mean? Just go research it. Like, (laughs) in my head, you know, that's what you do. When you don't know, you go find articles and do your research. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, the system, unfortunately, our healthcare system is not set up as such. So the doctor does not have the luxury honestly to even do that type of research to figure out root causes um they are medical doctors they are designed to assign you medication to deal with your issues or symptoms that you have so it's not necessarily a preventative issue it's more so let's take care of the symptoms once you have them and once i got that realization that that's not even their job Mm-hmm. You know, if they do do that, that's a great thing, but it's not even their job to do so. That's not how they're trained to approach things. And so I was like, OK, there needs to be someone on the other end teaching people how not to get there. And if they are there, what's the root cause so they don't go back to that? Mm-hmm. So that was my that was kind of like the pivot and the shift that I had is how can I help people figure out the root cause to their to their health problems mm-hmm. and how can I get them to not get there before they're there um, through education. So people might look at, at Crystal and say, you know, she was always this size, but you know. no, <laughs> you were you were you were saying you like you were like a size fourteen at one point. Yeah, you really did your research. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. You, you so, were like 14. Yes, I did my research. And a 14, yeah, so I've been everything from a double zero to size 14. And although on picture, I may look like I'm this Amazon of a woman. I'm 5'2", you know, on a good day. Good so... Day. <laughs> so um, the thing was, at when I got to a size 14, that's when I actually I had my biggest health issue. And this was post being an athlete. Um, I was a tennis player from age five all the way through college. Are athletes. Yo, Serena yeah. would, be, would be pissed if she heard you say tennis. I'm five two. Serena is like almost six feet tall. Okay. So <laughs> I'm 5'2". There's okay. a difference. She can hold that weight and, wet, and hold it well. Um, at five two, <laughs> not not so much. Not and uh, but my my in my throughout my tennis career though, I was not a zero. Let's not get that twisted. I was solid. I was muscular um, when I was a tennis player, and I was probably a size eight. Mm-hmm. And so I went from a size eight to a size fourteen just because my 
I wasn't working out eight hours a day like I was when I was full-fledged into being a tennis player. And so I went to, you know, I was working out in the mornings, going to the gym before work, but I was not doing a rigorous workout. And I had got up to a size 14 Mm -hmm. um, in that process and uh, became a workaholic because I had so much passion uh, for the work that I wanted to do as far as health policies and probably was not making the best food selection choices, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of led to the weight gain and it also led to a couple of health issues. What was your weakness? What was your, what was your, um, uh, okay. In college, I'll start there. Cause this is kind of where the problem probably started in college. I didn't, I wasn't an eater. Mm. I didn't, I'm not like an overindulger, but I would go all day and I'm so glad they're no longer available, but I guess this is the switch of the, now they got that five hour energy, but I was no dose. Do you remember those pills? Those no dose pills? No dose. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So I would live off of no dose pills, diet Coke with lime, which they don't make anymore as well. And chocolate hostess cakes. So that would be my my food for the whole day. Yeah, that's not food. <laughs> <laughs> but it was my version of food, like all day. Yeah. I would live. What was the no dose considered? Is that is that like an appetizer or what, what was that? So considered? I would have it all together. So I would probably have that one meal every day. No dose is not a meal. No, I, w- I'm, I would take the no dose with the chocolate hostess cake and my diet coke. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. I like the I like the hostess cakes. The chocolate hostess cakes, the chocolate with the white in the middle. Okay. Mm. I'm just saying. <laughs> no dose was something else, yo. I would Man, I was addicted to no dose. Like there it was pretty bad. But it it was like I was working like this. Um, like I said, at the time I was working for uh American Heart Association. I was the youngest director there and I wanted to show myself approved, so I wasn't really uh, I was like working hard, like long hours, not really, uh, not really caring about, you know, health. I mean, I would get up at four. I still get up. I get up about four o'clock every morning. I would go work out in the gym for about an hour, come back home, get dressed, be at work for seven thirty, eight o'clock. And I would work until six, seven, eight o'clock in the evening. And, and so, and part of that time, I was like, it was so. This is so bad. Like I also had like a side hustle job, which was part. Do you, okay. So and this is I am so dating myself <laughs> in this interview. So I was a Marlboro girl. Get out the um the cigarettes. Yeah. So they don't do this anymore because I guess it's not a cool thing to do. Cigarettes are no longer cool. But I was a marble girl, just like they have like the liquor girls now in the clubs, I guess. Okay. I would pass out the Marlboros inside of clubs. So that was like my side hustle job. <laughs> so and I hated cigarettes, which you is such a craziness. You ever met that cowboy that was on the ads? No. Marble, man. I should have. I mean, I'm a Texas girl. So, let me tell you, I got good tips. Marble, or you just had to pass them out? No, I just had to pass them out. I was anti, I still hate cigarettes. I hate the smell of cigarettes. Yeah. It gives me a headache. I try. I'm glad it never really took. I never even tried it because I can't get over the smell 
of the, I think it's the filter of a cigarette that I can't stand the smell. It's really strong. Okay. So I can smell the rat poison. Oh, that. You know, it has rat poison in it. Yeah. I can smell that. (laughs) Rat poison before. I can't say that. I know a distinct said, but hey, I'll take your word for it. Where you at when you were working and had this accident? Um, I was at the American Heart Association. <laughs> I was working for the American Heart Association. Um, and I had a, I slipped and fell. I was, it was my, the day of my first board meeting. I'll never forget. It was the first time I'll be presented in front of the board. Um, my program. And so I, it was like two o'clock. I hadn't had breakfast or lunch because I was working so hard on my report to report to the board. Um, I wanted to do my best. I got lightheaded, uh, from not eating, mm-hmm. which I knew was wrong because I had studied nutrition, <laughs> which I knew was wrong. And I slipped and fell, um, because I got lightheaded. And the way I landed on my hip um, created nerve damage. Um, and yeah, it, it, I mean, it was, it went from, you know, you, you know, when you fall and you try to get up kind of smooth so nobody really see you. Did they see you? Were you in the board meeting? No, thank okay. God. So, it, so we were actually one of the first green buildings at the time. And so we had this beautiful atrium that had this waterfall. And so I was literally crossing the atrium of this beautiful waterfall outside. We had this complete glass building. Um, It was supposed to be a stress-free environment, the way it was created and built. And so everybody, because we have a glass building, can see the atrium. And I slipped and fell right there in the atrium. So all 25 employees that work in the building saw me. So you tried to slide off like that didn't happen? Yeah, but the, the bad part about trying to play it off is that I realized I couldn't get up. Ooh. You know, you try to get up. You know that I was trying to get up and I was like, oh, this is funny. This leg is not moving. It's not allowing me to get up. And 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 the crazy part about it, it took maybe three hours for me to click mm. because that's how focused I was on this report for one maybe three hours to really figure out that, oh, I'm really injured here. Because um, luckily at the time, my assistant was a male Mm -hmm. and he saw me fall and saw I couldn't get up. And so he literally rolled my desk chair out to the atrium and picked me up and put me in my desk chair and rolled me back to my desk. And so I just continued to work. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. Mm And, uh, and, and, you, and to understand my personality, you have to understand like how this whole story, like kind of let out, like an hour later, he comes back over. Cause we all in cubicles. He was like, are you sure you're okay? I said, you know, I still don't, I mean, I don't, you know, it's still weird. Cause I, I really, I noticed that I wasn't able to move my leg, but it did. I was like, Oh, I guess I'm okay. But it wasn't painful. So I was like, must not, but not knowing, you know, you have nerve damage, it's not painful because you don't have any nerves. <laughs> so I was like, eh. so the third hour, I was like, let me just stand up and see. And that's when I realized that, oh, I'm really not moving. Like, and I realized that not only am I not moving, I was touching my leg and I didn't feel anything. Mm. And I, and it scared the 
I was like, am I paralyzed? That was the first thing that came to my head. Am I paralyzed? Like, like I couldn't feel anything from hip down to my foot. So I was like, I'm just going to call 911 and just tell them to like, don't make a big deal out of it and just like come and check it. <laughs> 911. Yeah, I was like, don't let them come and check. You know, so I'm on the phone with 911. I was like, hey, you know, I work in a pretty quiet building. Don't turn any sirens on or anything like that. I just want some MT to come just check it for me and see. And um, because I have this big meeting I got to get to. And of course, they come to the building. Sirens, and I work for the Heart Association. So, you know, automatically the receptionist and everybody's thinking somebody's had a heart attack and, and or a stroke. Or, you know, so it's like all alarmed. Everybody's looking. And I'm like, and then they're like, my assistant's at the front waiting for them. And they were like, oh, it's for Crystal. And so they put me on the bed, wheel me out. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, no, I don't want to leave. I have a meeting. Hmm. And they were like, well, and we were literally sitting in the parking lot, like having this discussion while I'm in the back of this, you know, this ambulance. And they were like, they're like, man, we have to take you to ER. Like, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, eh. so then they commenced to cut my favorite pants because I had on my favorite pants. They were like, we have to get to your leg. And I was like, so you got to cut my pants off? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. So the whole time I'm like freaking out. So. I'm on the phone. Then I call my mom in the back of this ambulance for my cell phone. I was like, mom, don't freak out. I'm headed to the hospital, but everything is fine. Just getting my leg checked. I had a, a little fall. So I'm still literally in the hospital and the ER. And I was like, hey, I got to get to a board. I got to get back to a board meeting. How long is this going to take? And they were like, ma'am, you're not going anywhere. Like, We're about to get your room. Like, looks like you have serious damage. And I was like, like really and so it literally took me almost 12 hours to realize the severity of my injury mm-hmm. um and uh it was very scary because at the time when you have paralysis first of all they don't know it's paralysis until you actually get feeling back because it will mimic all symptoms of being paralyzed um, they can run a couple of tests. Technology has improved now, but they can run a few tests to see if there's some level of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's not all. It's it's not always a hundred percent. So they were just like, "Looks like you probably just have paralysis, but we don't know when you can get feeling back. We don't know when you're gonna get movement back. We don't know. We just have to wait it out." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is like for real." So fast forward six weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. So six weeks, I'm literally on my couch, um, literally staring at my leg. And the whole time, and people laughed at me because I was just like, I kept staring at my leg. I mean, I literally had to have, at the time I was dating a guy, he actually broke up with me because he was like, I didn't sign up to be with a handicapped girl. Like, because people really thought that this was it for me. Um, and, they, and I kept looking at my leg and I was like, this leg is going to move. It's going to move. It's going to move. As soon as I got feeling back, I was like, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Now I can feel it. What's his name? 
I'm not gonna put him out like that because okay, let's no. just say karma is a he mother. Up with you and said, I can't be with handicap girl. I didn't sign up to let me tell you something. So karma is the B-I-T-C-H because let me tell you, fast forward. He was an, a police officer. Fast forward years later, he ends up getting shot on du- in duty while on duty, and the shot wasn't a big deal. Um, the big deal was while he was in the hospital, he ended up getting a staph infection, hmm. which it got very infected and affected the hand that he needed to shoot with, so hmm. he could no longer perform his job and almost lost his hand. And who did he have to call to help him while he was in rehab? Handicap girl. Handicap girl who was now running marathons. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah, I tell me, it comes full circle. It comes full circle. So, that was, you know, so it was good to see him. Yeah. I didn't research. That just that was just a made-up name. It goes with the commercial. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> so, the doctors told you you wouldn't be able to run. Well, yeah, because what happened was six weeks of no movement, your muscles die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, your, your muscles retrofeed. So I had to go through therapy. And so in the process of going through physical therapy, I had to learn how to walk again because my muscles had died. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had I made it to the point to where I can use a cane. And that was pretty quick because I, once again, I'm an ex-athlete. So I was like pushing it. I was going to therapy. I made it to where I'm, I'm using a cane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a cane is okay, but I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm a run. I'm a run. And at the time my mentor was a marathon runner. I said, like, you know, I'm a, I had never ran a 5k. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm gonna run a marathon. And they were like, you don't even know how to walk without a cane. How are you going to run? You know, so in their head, that's what the doctors were thinking. And so I literally stopped going to physical therapy um, because the lady was just basically like, you know, just the, and this is the assistant to the doctor. She was like, just figure out how the, your new normal basically with this cane, you know, and learn how to just deal with using a cane and, you know, buy a couple of canes that, different colors, make it look cute. And I'm just like, no, like, no, not an option. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of, they were just like, you're not going to be able to run because you're, I mean, you, you can't walk without a cane. Like this is, this is the end of your therapy and this is all that's, that's left. And I was just like, no, it's not. I, I knew I had more in me. And so that's when I decided to figure it out myself. Where does this drive, this tenacity come from to not settle? Um, So I grew up, first of all, I grew up in in the crazy part. I didn't realize how poor I was, of course, until I got to college. I was like... Well, you were in college. You can't be that poor. You went to college. You got money to go to college. No, 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 no. That's only because I had a couple of scholarships and I was working four jobs. So it wasn't because my parents helped me out. Like... My dad had my dad didn't go to college, so he was just like figure this out. My mom had went to college, but she went on a full ride back in the sixties, mm-hmm. you know. So that it was like whatever. So I was just I've I had always um, had to work hard and didn't realize that that's what I was doing until I got to college. I was I've always had to. 
I've had always this stubbornness about me, I guess, that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, oh, I want to go to college. I was like, oh, I want to get the highest degree I can get. It wasn't like, just like with the marathon. It's not, I want to run a 5K. I want to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So my my goals will have always been, okay, that's cool, but what's the highest point to whatever that is? That is like, I didn't just want to play tennis. My goal was to play in the Olympics. If I can't play in the Olympics, I don't want to play. And so, (laughs) and when I didn't make it to the Olympics, I was like, well, I don't want to play anymore. You know, so that was, you know, so that was it for me. And that was, and I've, and I've had that drive and that, I guess that stubbornness and that push. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I grew up in what would what I should have been, I should have been the statistic. My oldest brother right now is serving 25 alike. You know, mm-hmm. so that was an option mm-hmm. for me, you know, but I always knew that that wasn't my destiny. So I always want, I always had this extra drive to do more, be better. And I, and I still do. It's still, <laughs> so it was still like that. And I, I always have to slow down because the downside to that is that you don't celebrate the success that you do have. So I always have to sit back and just have to regroup and be like, Crystal, celebrate the fact that you did X, Y, Z. So I tell people it's a plus and a minus. Um, it, it gets you to where you're trying to go. But at the same time, I'm now learning to just like what you're doing the bio. It's really hard for me to hear people say different things that I've done. Yeah, like right. it's hard for me to celebrate it. Yeah, like writing that book, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that wasn't like a big deal. And people were like, you don't even promote it. I was just like, well, it's not really a big deal. My friend was like, girl, do you know if you if you Google bucket list, you are somebody's yeah. bucket list? Like you've yeah. done the bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Finish line was just the start. And she's got two more books on the way in 20. Yes. Yes. You're going you're gonna to give us the, uh, the, the exclusive and what the title The exclusive Rise and Run is the other is the other book. And um, the big book that I'm really, and I'm actually really excited about, Rise and Run is kind of really kind of spin off of the finish line. It's just a start. Um, it's more of a devotional because Rise and Run was very, um, I guess, very personal. Mm-hmm. It was like reading my diary. Um, it actually was my journal. So I was going through therapy and I had a hard time opening up to my therapist. And so she was like, just write down your feelings. And so that's, and the way I thought and the way my mind worked, always worked um, in as a runner, thinking as a runner. And so finish line was just starts really me telling my story of the things that I've experienced in my life, not understanding that I experienced a lot because in my mind, oh, this is normal. But when other people hear it, they were like, the things that you've been through and accomplished is not normal. Like, this is is not normal. And so for me, it was just like telling my story as if I'm running a marathon. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the finish line was just to start for. It was like, allowing people because I realized that people were getting um like little snippets of me like they see me on Facebook or Instagram they really don't know me 
I give them just enough not to really know me. You know, it may, it, I give, I was, my therapist said, you give people the feeling that they know, know you, but they really don't know you. Mm-hmm. She said, you're really good at that. You're really good at making it seem like you're exposing yourself, but you really don't allow people in mm-hmm. and you need to fix that. And so that's what the book was for, for me, because it, I realized that when I buried my mother unexpectedly, mm-hmm. I buried my mom and um, everybody was telling my brothers, oh, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. And they would turn to me and they were like, oh, Crystal, you're so strong. We know you got it. And I was like, I said, <laughs> you know, but I had realized that I created, that I created this character, this strong woman the successful woman, the and and I realized that I never should. Did you ask them if y'all go pray for me? Y'all go pray for me? Y'all and just like me? you know, people assume you know, like, oh, God. she's so strong, she's so successful. I'm like, yo, but I I I I'm, I I break, you know, and this is breaking me right now. And I realized I never allowed people to see that, even with you know my injury, I never show weakness in are my weak moments. And um, so the book was to expose that, Mm -hmm. expose the dirty side, expose the weakness, expose the parts of me. Cause I would tell people the story, but I never talked about, you know, me crying and want to give up, you know, or me, you know, sitting, having to wear a diaper because I can't take myself to the restroom. You know, I didn't tell none of that. You know, I just told the the good side to it. I never talked about the dirty side. So the book was to really tell my full truth. Mm-hmm. And so the book that's coming out this um Crystal, remember uh-huh. the book. What can I get it? Yeah. Um they can get it from me directly online at crystalhadnot.com. They can purchase the book. They purchased it from my website through me. I can give them a signed copy. Um, and some people go through Amazon and purchase it. But of course, if they go through Amazon, I can't sign in and put my little notes that I like putting in it. But that's, they can get it either way from Amazon or my website. And what's your website, Crystal? Crystalhadnot.com. That's right. If you've got any questions, you can email Crystal at info at crystalhadnot.com. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Too fancy, fancy, yo. Yeah. Yeah? What does your hat say? I prayed for this. I prayed for this? Oh, I didn't see the eye. But I like No, that. it's no eye. It's just pray for this. Okay, I'm like, cause I thought, because I got glasses, no. but I couldn't see. But in my head, that's what I'm reading. I prayed for this. I prayed for this. Oh, Chris, yeah. thank you so very much for being on the show. I certainly do appreciate it. Check go to her site. She's got tons of information. When I tell you, she's a lifelong learner, curious, have a question, persistent. You know, (laughs) she's going to seek out the information. A lot of people say, you know, they had problems. You look at these books that she went and researched and overcome. She has an awesome story. Check it out. Thank you so much for being on Behind the Wheel. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Later. Oh, I didn't know you had a... I tried to look at that.